Hello, 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 hello. 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 No. Fucking hello to you. No, hello to you. <laughs> no. Hello to you. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Let's stop and start again. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. How are you, sir, this week? I'm Jim Dandy. Uh, the, the, the cappuccino bubbles were, were pre-frothed. However, I'm going to remind you as your trusted co-host to please stop scraping the 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 headphone cord against your prodigious scrubble. Well, I'm sure I can. But that's not the microphone I used to record this. So only you hear it. Only that is absolutely your privilege to hear my stubble in your ears. Well, at least you were decent enough not to gaslight me and say, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no sound. See, now I'm having to sit in a very awkward position holding the microphone away from my face because I just talked to you via the um, headphone microphones. Do you know what our listener is doing? <laughs> They're holding their, their listening device as far away as they possibly can so that they can count as a listener without actually having to listen. Well, John, why don't you try and draw them back in by saying something important or educational or or nice about something that has happened between the last time we spoke? Well, uh, things are progressing very well on, on my new canvas, and, and I'm definitely in the, you know, oh, no, it's almost done. It will only take about 99% of the time to finish this last 1%. Um, and what I've been dealing with right now is refreshing portions of a, of, of, of a collection view. So this is all kind of well-trotted things. Even your dogs are barking dismissively about this. Well, it, and um, that is a true point, because normally there is only my dog here, but today I have my son's dog, so I decided that one dog barking wasn't enough, so we needed two dogs. They really have they have been totally quiet for the last three hours, and we are now recording, and they've decided to bark. <laughs> well, probably they're, they're like telling me, it's like, dude, this is, this is such an easy thing to solve. Um, and it's not exactly rocket science, but in this particular case the the use of this canvas kind of works in in two phases in that you know you you go push to that collection view i mean it's pushed to that 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 view controller and then it's got to load all its data and the data is a, is a, a payload that comes from our endpoint where it's aggregating multiple different data sources and some of them are ones that we have not traditionally used before so they it's a way of asking for give me some list of, of videos um uh, that are are as I as I said earlier, kind of not not stuff that we're trying to get you to watch, but stuff that you've already interacted with, um, and so and then from there it's displayed in the same grid that 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 people know and love, and but then that you can go and show a details page for, it, and then you might do something which would then change the 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 data store below it and and it and it's 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 something where then you have to refresh and you don't want to have to go bring out the whole payload because it's fairly expensive so you have to refresh a, a particular data source um, and then you have to you know refresh the, the 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 collection view that that's showing just that 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 row of data um, so I've been working through that and it's almost done and it's it's one of those things where you think ah you know life would be easier if you didn't have to care about this stuff but you kind of do because it would be seem very strange because you know you're you're and it would make a lot more sense when when people can see exactly what i'm talking about but uh i'll just leave it at that but it, it's 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 been fun working on it because you know we have similar problems i mean you know similar solutions to the what's the same problem in in other parts of our app but now we're we're making a couple whereas it used to be that that you would have one or two exceptions to the rule for that now nearly almost every row in in this in this in this canvas 
has that potential problem. And there are a couple of different conditions. So I, I, I don't want a special case for one. I'm trying to, find, you know, create a general purpose way of being able to say, you know, um, you know, let, let a, let a data fetch controller, you know, listen for notifications, say, oh, wow, I probably need to refetch something. Um, but not the entire payload, just some portion of it. And so that's also required me to do some refactoring on the JavaScript side, which now I've done so much JavaScript. At some point, I was joking with my, my colleague. So I'm going to get my little my little pony junior JavaScript engineer badge any day now. So there's my little bit of success. It's all right, because the pace JavaScript changes, it will be an out-of-date badge before they've actually pinned it to you. <laughs> It will be. It should say, "I knew JavaScript yesterday." That's, that's what it should say, because nobody knows JavaScript today apart from the person who changed it today. That's yeah, that is it. So it's um yeah. I mean, we 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 complain about Swift being a. I guess JavaScript itself doesn't change that much, but I guess the uh, the frameworks that everyone decides are the uh, framework du jour. I guess changes all the time, doesn't it? Really, to be fair, let's 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 not totally mock JavaScript. No, and and in, again, remember this is this is Node, so this is this is really rather you know vanilla JavaScript, um, and so which nice because if I had to, you know, JavaScript is everything and everything and everything to the universe, and this this is mostly it's just context switching. That's really what it comes down to, and having to put yourself in the in the the mindset where it's like don't rely on the compiler because there is none. Whereas you know you you know I've I've gotten so used to writing Swift and and after every keystroke waiting for the compiler to bark at me, but by the time it's done and I've corrected the errors, chances are it will compile and run safely. It might not do exactly what I want, but I know I can I can then debug it from there. Whereas with JavaScript, I find you type and type and type, and we have a linter, and then the linter barks at you because maybe you've you've been refactoring code and you've copied some from here and somewhere else, and the indentation is wrong, and then you have to sit there and and go in VS Code and, and say, please fix all the pretty printable, you know, you know, the automatically fixable errors. And then you have something you think is going to work, and then you run it, and you decide, nope, nope, you know, the compiler should, a compiler would have been able to tell you this, but no, you're, you're the compiler is just running it. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is the mindset change when you have to go between those things. And, and I suppose now that since I'm having to, to live between those two worlds, you know, multiple times a day, I, I suppose I, I've gotten used to it. It's amazing what what human beings are willing to get used to in order to get their work done. It it totally is. It totally is. So you were talking about barfing. So I'm dealing with a barfing situation myself at the moment. Um, I'm working on a data migration, uh, which I can't talk too much about, but it's, um, you know, it's you would have thought data migration should be easy you know we have we have um an old version of an app and a new version of an app and their data formats are different so you know the the simple solution says you know take the data from the old format transform it to the new format and everyone can then use the new application and everybody is happy and, and the reality is in you know an awful lot of situations that is um totally and utterly fine and would be would be right but of course you know we're dealing um with apps that might have quite a lot of data um not for everyone but there is the potential there and obviously you know, one of the problems we always have with developers is, you know, we'll, we'll test with our 10 
you know, records in our test database or, you know, our, our 10 photos or our, you know, six of whatever we're doing and everything's good. And then we'll, you know, the first time we come across a user with, you know, 200,000, we, <laughs> we wonder why our code is slow or doesn't work. Um, you know, and so here we are in a position that, um, you know, how how do we do this safely? Because an awful lot of users, I mean, we're developers, we go out and buy iPhone 12 Pros or, you know, iPhone 13 Pros or whatever the latest is one this time, we'll choose the you know, 256 gig or the 512 gig or the one terabyte option because, you know, um, that's what we do because we're geeks. And, um, you know, we get on with it. Whereas, you know, many, many, many people out there, um, their iPhone is, you know, a hugely expensive purchase that, you know, they're trying to get into their life um, desire. And so they will buy um, whatever the cheapest way they can to get an iPhone. And that's normally with the lowest storage. Now, admittedly, this is getting better as the low end storage on the brand new phones is you know, are now a lot higher than it used to be. But for many years, the entry-level storage on an iPhone was pretty low. And, you know, there are there are lots of users out there, probably on older devices, for whom their storage is pretty much on the edge of being full all the time, so particularly if they do a lot of photos, a lot of videos, or, or whatever else they do. Um, and again, if they're on those older devices... Um, that suggests they may have had these devices for a long time. Uh, therefore, they may have been running the app a long time. Therefore, they may have th- these people on the older devices with less data may also have the most uh, the less, uh, with the least available space may also have the most data to transform. And so, you know, when you're migrating, you don't want to remove obviously the uh, source data until you're pretty satisfied that the you know migrated data is good and, and working. Which really means that you need um, double the space to do a migration, um, assuming that both file formats are, you know, roughly the same size. And actually, you know, I, I, that's not an assumption you can make. Which means, you know, the the simple solution of take all the data and copy it to the new format and then use a new app isn't. You know, <laughs> it isn't necessarily where you can go straight away. Um, so that means you have to look at other things. Can you do you know, this thing in a phased approach? Um, how can you make this more efficient so that it, um, you know, to, to, to do it this way? Or, you know, do you actually make it that the, you know, the new app can actually also um, access the old style data and then just, you know, Converted over time as it uses it, um, or, or whatever else. So, uh, what in theory, if you just said to everybody, you have to make sure you have, you know, double the space on your device, um, and whatever it would work, um, doesn't. Now, I guess again, a lot of people, this is not an issue because we also tend to have to keep quite a lot of space on devices to allow iOS updates to go on. Um, otherwise they don't so for a lot of people we they will have some of this space and of course after the migration you can all get cleaned up and go back to the amount of data you have before but you know when you have uh, this is you know for a reasonably popular app with you know a lot of users um 
you know, there's even even if you're saying, well, this is only an issue for, I mean, this is something you suffer with. It, you know, Netflix on a scale that is beyond imagination. If you say one percent of users can have problems, that is a lot of people. And you know, if one percent of your users start emailing support because things are broken, um, you know, you, you're you know, you have a collapse of your support system probably <laughs> in there. So, um, yeah. So this is you know what should seem like a simple operation. You know, is turning into uh, lots and lots of meetings and lots and lots of discussion and lots and lots of trying to work out how to do things. And um, there we are, So, which is why I'm using the word barf, because it's barfing all over the place right now. Can I make a suggestion, Scotty? A you, helpful suggestion? You, you can suggest whatever you like. If, is it find a, <laughs> find, find a different job? <laughs> A different, no, a different no, no, career, no. maybe maybe a singing career or something. No, I think sometimes it's it, it's helpful to to use a user hostile approach and just basically when you determine that there's not enough space, it should just put up a, a you know a panel that says our advanced machine learning algorithm has to determine that you are a cheap bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a link to, to buy an upgraded phone. And if you're having trouble affording it, here's a link to a user who's successfully using money well to do money laundering. This person has lots of different phones and lots of available storage space. This, this, now, this, I, this, I, this I, isn't money what I'm talking about. This is a, a client project. But um, yeah, I get oh, you know, right. I get what you're, I get what you're saying. But I, I will I will suggest your idea to the client. I think it's, an, <laughs> and I'm sure they'll be very happy to have it. Yeah. Yes. No, I get it. You know, I, 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 and and at first I was also thinking snarkily, it's like, ah, you know, kind of, you know, real men will just kind of update it in line and overwrite the existing file, and if it doesn't work, oh well. Um, but I, I, yeah, it seems to me that that you could you could get so wrapped around the axle trying to figure out how to make it work in an impossible situation. And I think you know w- w- why not? Why not just take the approach that 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 Apple seems to take? It's like you do not got enough room. You got not you don't have enough room. I suppose that they're you know better able to make suggestions about how to clear space because generally speaking, you know the things that traditionally took up lots of space were like your photos library and and so forth and and uh, I mean with great kudos to Apple they really you know made it so that they can in the background remove things that you've not looked at in a long time and just keep the the lower you know the the the, the lower weight thumbnails and, and metadata on on device and only pull down the the larger stuff on demand but it's not a tricky it's not an easy situation and i suppose since it's client work they will tell you no we you know we can't do that well there's i mean i i'm yeah for the purposes of the discussion i possibly oversimplified because this data may exist on the device and it also may exist on a back end and as part of the migration you and it may exist on both it may exist on one you know it's one of these situations where the data could be local it could be remote it could be both all those things are valid depending on what state you're in for different things. Um, and your migration needs to make sure that if when you're migrating your device, that your backend data also gets migrated so you don't end up with the backend expecting you to be on one version and the front end expecting you to be on another version. And then there's all details about what people, people are using this thing on multiple devices, and that's a whole other conversation at a different time. Um, so, the, so the migration... Yeah, so the migration process itself is to, um, you know, it, it, it has to coordinate itself that both front and back end migrate. Now, again, uh, an easy solution is to say, well, let's migrate, let's make sure all the data is at the back end, let's migrate the back end, and then bring all the data back to the front end in the new format. Um, that is, you know, that that again, technically is a, is a perfectly valid solution. Um, 
But again, if you put, um, you know, some of this data can be quite large and you put a, a large number of users through that process, um, you need to be saving your pennies for your server bill for the amount of data you are going to have to reserve as you, as you um, uh, uh, do this. So basically, if you can keep the device data local so it doesn't have to all be re-downloaded, that has a you know, pretty significant financial impact on, on you know, the cost of moving people across. So, yeah, money comes into this as well. Huh. Money always does. Well, so that you kind of answered the question that I had. I guess there was no possibility of, of sending a file to the server and having it transformed there. But I suppose that, you know, as you said, since they're, they're syncing, there's that issue. And then, of course, there's the not trivial issue of, of user privacy if the data itself is, you know, people may not be necessarily very happy if, of, of their personal data going to some other company's server. Yeah, and, and it's obviously not just that. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I think we tend to forget that, you know, moving bits around costs money to someone somewhere. Now, you know, we we don't necessarily as users see it because you know our five bucks a month on iCloud you know we we forget about it and disappears. But the amount of people who don't pay five bucks for iCloud and they're stuck with the is it five gig base plan is it free plan on iCloud? Um, so you can't even say well shove it off to their iCloud account and bring it back because you know five gig may be nowhere near enough. Um, so you know if you put it onto your own servers you. Know, Ingress and what's the other one? <laughs> in and out, uh, when, 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 whatever they are. On, the in and out burger. <laughs> in, in and out burgers on on servers has a cost. You know, ha, has a cost, and you know, most people. I mean, we we've looked at this with money well sync when we were trying to work out whether to use our own servers or use iCloud. Uh, when we were looking at using our own servers, the the cost of hosting that data and the transmission in and out of that data had to be worked out. And most apps, um, the budget for running those apps and the financial um, basis for that will be based on normal usage. Um, and you always accept that there's going to be outliers, um, but you, you know, you set your costings at the basis, you know, um, a reasonably, you know, high-end normal user will have this much, and then you might be that actually seventy percent of users have less data, um, but then there's ten percent users have a lot more. But you hope you hope that across, I mean, these are really rough figures, and I'm just making them up. But but basically, you work out that across the spectrum, you know, the all the people who use less data than you budgeted for effectively finance all the people or the few people who use a lot more data than you budgeted for. Um, Unless you know, unless you start charging for different amounts of data, but people try and keep things simple, don't they? It's so many bucks a month to do whatever else. But you know that doesn't you know those, so those numbers do not allow on basically every single one of your users suddenly you know uh, redoing a hundred percent of their data in one go. <laughs> um, yeah, right. That, that yeah that that can. Um, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a you know an individual developer with you know five thousand users or you know a Netflix with however many millions of users. That scenario breaks your uh, financial planning for that application. Now, whether it makes you lose so much money you can't cope with it or whatever else, I guess is a different issue. But you know, <laughs> it has to be taken into consideration. Indeed. Um, Scotty, I there. I have realized that I have one other bit of 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 
I can't call them words of wisdoms, but, you know, this is how I solve this particular problem to carry over from discussions we've had in, in prior episodes. Would you like to hear about it? Okay, let's 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 do dum, 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 dum. John's wisdom of the week. Okay. Part, 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 duh. Part, duh. <laughs> and then there'll be like 10 seconds of silence. <laughs> duh, there is no wisdom. <laughs> no, so th- this has to do with, with protocols and and... You know, dealing with a situation where uh, you don't want to have inheritance, you don't want to have a class, um, you just want something, an object or a struct that conforms to a protocol. And one of the nice things I, I do say, I just, you know, it's still new for me in some ways and still shiny. But one of the things I do like about Swift is this whole thing where you can say, can this thing be turned into this other thing? And if so, you know, the if let pattern, which I just think is glorious, and especially since you can put many of them together. So you can do if let comma if you know let this and if let that and if you know and and that that's really helpful so if all the necessary conditions are true then then you can feel safe about using the things that were defined in a in a if let statement to go operate on them so in this particular case this has to do with a view model that's being used in a collection view in some cases uh, you want to have a header and maybe that header has some icons and some buttons in it and sometimes there is no header um, and so rather than having to, to create multiple objects, you could just basically have one object, but that it can conform to multiple protocols, of course. And so when it comes time to, in your view model, that is the the delegate for a collection view, and the collection view is saying, hi, this index path, would you like a header? You can ask the the the, the model representing that particular row, you know, can you can you be represented as this protocol? And if so, then you can get the data out of it and, and do something. And I, and I like that a lot um, because it, it is definitely different from what I used to do, whatever, 10 years ago or 20 years ago in, in, the, in the height of object orientation um, uh, where you would have all this inheritance and you'd think that you'd have this perfect environment until you come across the edge cases, which drive you mad. In this particular case with lots of simple defined protocols, it just works very, very nicely, and I I like this this technique and I like this approach better than than ones I've had to deal with in the past. So um, there you have it. I don't know whether that was of use to anybody, but at least it was to me. When are we ever worried about whether our snippets are any use to anybody? It f- never. It, it filled forty five seconds of airspace. That's all that mattered. It's about <laughs> volume, John, not quality. Quantity, not quantity. Gosh, Scotty, that's so mean. <laughs> No, I thought that that was so helpful. Did I, did I say it wasn't helpful? But you said you you no, were, but you, you were concerned about its helpfulness, and I just said, you know, get back with the program. No, that was your opportunity to to say, John, of course it's helpful. You are a trusted partner in modern design principles. So we had a situation today with MoneyWell and the beta um, that uh, we've come across. You know, we've been getting some feedback on the beta, you know, um, some of it works really well. Some of it works less well, shall we say. Uh, and that's the point of a beta is to find this stuff out. Um, we've also started implementing some of the uh, the missing features. And, uh, you know, we, we've come across, um, we try and use as much common code as we can between the iOS and, and the Mac app, um, uh, simply to you know, ensure we don't do as many bugs and whatever else. Now, one of the things we've been using on the iOS app is um, Swift UI and observable objects um, to do UI updates when things change in the background. When certain things change, it you know, 
combine or whatever behind, notice it, it all gets changed. Um, we haven't been using that on macOS because um, we currently support 10.13, which is, I think, High Sierra. Um, or is it 10.14? No, 10.13 is our, um, is our current platform. But now we've got a whole bunch of stuff where actually it's, um, you know, quite a lot of stuff going on where hooking the same sort of layer of what's going on up to a UI and having it all work through uh, combined Swift UI will be really quite useful. Um, and so do we, you know, we come to the scenario, you know, do we have to now write it differently and again in, in this is new stuff in, in macOS, or do we simply change our um, uh, supported platform up to 10.15 where it'd have to go to make it work? Um, so, yeah, we never, because uh, Manuel hasn't had an update for a long time. It's got a lot of very loyal users. You know, we don't, particularly for this first major release, we don't want to just, you know, cut off loads of existing users just for the sake of it. Because even though, as I said before, the, the, the success of this application is based on future users, not current users. However, you know, we do value highly our current users and don't want to, you know, um, just, you know, just ignore them or, or, or piss them off without, you know, of um, course. So, yeah, but, yeah, going back and looking at it, I was quite surprised. So I went back um, this morning and looked at the the compatibility chart. And um, other than machines that have been introduced since 2012, um, so obviously they can exist before then, um, Catalina, so 1015, supports you know, hardware back to 2012. Which is now being 2022 is 10 years. So actually, you know, if you've got hardware that's uh, under 10 years old, um, you can run Catalina. Um, and so, even though there are, so that then brings up the question: Okay, so if we if we make this choice to go to Catalina, it means we can use this other stuff. It's the normal stuff that we've been through hundreds of times in different scenarios before about this stuff, you know, how many of our users does that affect? We look at analytics and whatever else. But you have to ask yourself the question then, well, actually, there's quite a few people out there, it turns out, um, and I don't know how many, of you know, and it's hard to work out exactly who aren't running Catalina but could run Catalina. <laughs> so how many people, you know, how many people still buy a Mac at some point and they never upgrade the OS ever? It just because they don't turn on whatever it is in there. So we're back into this... Um, you know, which version to support. I think we're pretty settled. We're just going to go with Catalina because, you know, we're on 10.17 now, or Mac OS uh, 12, as it's now called. Uh, so 10.15 is, and obviously we'll be at 10.18 or Mac OS 13 later in the year. So we're like three versions behind still. I think we feel pretty good about that. But it's, um, you know, every time you do it, it takes you through a whole bunch of uh, questions every time. It never gets, um, it never becomes simple just saying we're just going to go go this way um, and because the difference in the um the hardware you lose so 2012 we can go back to whereas if we were to jump to monterey uh sorry big sur um not monterey then you start you know losing another couple of years which i guess a lot of Macs get sold in a couple of years so it's in there but anyway just so i would share that on the latest on the money well beta that things are going okay uh but yeah, we're probably going to put something out about this in the next couple of days and we'll just see 
how upset the support channel becomes. That'll be interesting to see. Do you ever survey your users and, and say kind of how, you know, which version of the OS are you on? And if you haven't upgraded, is it because you have not bothered or you have software which doesn't run? I mean, I guess that's the other problem you run into just because your version requires a change to Catalina. They may not be willing or able to do it if another piece of software that they use regularly. So I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I mean, obviously we, we run analytics, so we know um, what OS people are on um, uh, in there. And we know how many of our users um are running currently running pre-catalina software and it's it's not a huge percentage you know it's um you know it's it's uh definitely in the single digit percentages um and again but we don't know how many of those people could run catalina which would reduce that number number again and you're right uh but at some point uh, as we've said and we're keep saying, chasing these people and you know Moneywell is about the future, not about the past, but we're looking after the past. And I think going forward, we might, I think because we're reintroducing a whole bunch of stuff that our ex-users before we took this over used to have before it all broke, we're trying to bring as many of them with us as we can. Um, And sometimes that means doing things that we wouldn't normally do to bring a small percentage of users just because we can, and it's not too much effort. Whereas I think once all these features are restored and our past user base can you know be happy again uh, that they've got back everything they had you know prior to it all breaking before we took over i i think i think there's a good chance and i'm not making any announcements or saying we do again it's not just my choice there's a good chance we'll become more aggressive about what the app should you know what what version of the operating system you need because we can always say yeah, you've got all these features now. They're in there. It's a well-featured app. It's got everything back that you used to have. If you can't come along with us, that's sad. But you know, you're not, you're not, you're you're back to where you were. Um, so there is. We're in a slightly different situation to if this was a brand new app. If this is a brand new app, it would be going out Monterey only. I'm sure it would be. We wouldn't even be arguing about that. Um, uh, if this was, you know, if this was a case of just adding some new features. Uh, and so the old app, you know, not trying to put stuff back that have broken in the past, then I think we would be more, probably more aggressive, maybe not Monterey only, but be more aggressive. So I think we're in a bit of a unique situation. Um, so our views on how we do this, you know, come later this year or next year when we're putting the next releases out with the other features may well be very different. And I think it's about keeping it in the context of what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. With these things, there's no hard and fast rule on this. I know some people will say, well, it's always current minus two and that's it. Um, that's a, I, I think that's a pretty good guideline, but I'm not necessarily sure that's, you know, should be a hard rule. So you're saying in future, if anyone can get us to talk about hard rules in the first few minutes, it will be a, quite a short podcast for them. Yeah, yeah that's good. So if you, people want to suggest things, you can talk about hard rules on Twitter to you, John, in order to keep future episodes short, where should they do it? Well, they can do that on the internet where all hard rules are followed all the time, but specifically on Twitter where they can find me at Jim Bay. That's D-J-E-M-B-E like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to convince you to get more dogs, where can they do that? I will have to see each week if I can get more dogs into the... Uh, although, in fairness, they only barked for a few moments and they're less than normal. Less than normal today. So there we are. We um, Maybe the answer is, you know, more dogs means more noise for less time. Maybe this is like working out which operating system to support. How many dogs are the optimum number of dogs to have in the house for a podcast recording? I'll produce a spreadsheet 
and do some analytics. But anyway, people can tell me about this on Twitter. Yes, where I am. Not that I'm easily distracted or anything. Uh, <laughs> where I am, Mac Devnet. Please do send me your dog photos, um, and we will see if we can um, maybe have an all expenses paid trip for some dogs to my house for a recording session sometime. But there we are. <laughs> It is. It's the best prize you're getting on this show. Well, John, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, uh, hearing about your uh, your glories, your woes, your uh, your um, moments of happiness, and your your moments of complete and utter failure. Um, it's uh, it's the highlight of my week. I do have to say. So, uh, and I'm sure for that what person listening today, it's been the highlight of your week as well. Um, because why else would you be on the list to listen to this podcast if you weren't desperate and lonely for our company? So thanks for listening. And until next time. You take care. I'm sure you've noticed that at the end of the show there, I replaced John with a robot, um, partly because the robot is far more pleasant to work with, um, gives me far less jip, and the robot is far better at monitoring the batteries in its recorder so that it doesn't drop out of recordings at the end. So um, maybe we'll put a survey up. Next week, do you want the real John or Robo John? I know where I'm putting my vote. <laughs>